1: They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. 40. The a hole
3: burst through to it. 20. steps. a tackle. Runs left. 25 still to 46-yard goal
1: by number 39. Running back, number
0: 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is
1: going to throw. The fake is on He's got a first
0: down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl.
2: Super Bowl. Talk Radio with Derek Cia-Paula and Michael Stewart.
4: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former more locked and offensive back, Michael Stewart. And we have a guest already on with us, just started off the show with us. Drew, new guy from Rock Pile Report. Been on the show many a times, usually drunk. Usually. Yeah, but <laughs> usually, not usually. anymore. At least not today. At least I can't tell.
3: I can't tell. No, no, not today. Oh, you know what? You know what it is? Uh, th- that's the price of fatherhood, sir. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's no more There's no more getting uh, half in the bag at 8 o'clock at night for this guy. At least not yet. I got to save that for the nights I record my own podcast. I only What's... get
4: one of those nights a week now, now that I got kids. You caught <laughs> me off guard because it used to be whenever we, hit you, we had you on, it would be we're, like, recording at 9, and you're already drunk by then. Okay. Oh, for sure. You've, you're already counting Seagrams, and then, yeah. and then you have all. You can go all night at that point. But today, oh, you're sure. telling me you gotta be gone by eight forty Eastern. I'm like, this is is this really Drew? Does he exist? This, this is this this is the guy for real. This- this is the domesticated, responsible Drew Gear. No one's ever
3: heard of it. It's, it's a rare sight. And you know, it's funny. Just so your co-host here, Michael, just so he understands the like, what we're talking about. The first time Derek ever invited me to be on the show it was an AFC roundtable discussion. And the, the Patriots had just gone to the Super Bowl. They'd beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC championship game. And... I had so much to drink that evening that I was willing to f- argue with anybody who had anything to say otherwise that the Jaguars were not only going to repeat and g- go to the AFC Championship game again, but that they were going to win the Super Bowl that next year. Um, oh, I think I that, that following year was. The, I think that following year was the year that the whole team exploded. Blake Bortles got
4: benched, um, like they cut half the roster. <laughs> and we did a yeah. preseason. We did a preseason roundtable that year, and pretty much all of us just all of our predictions. So. Or tank that year. It was a rough year for yeah. Frick. Hey, at least I have booze to blame for mine. Well,
1: <laughs> Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm living the dream, as they say, out here in this 115 degree heat. Do you hear me? I need some of that buffalo chill factor in my life. Man, it's always- Dude, I'm one
3: of
4: the sweatiest human beings on earth. I can't survive like that. <laughs> it's It was only 75 degrees here today. Oh, And rain. rain. I know you're not getting any rain out there in California. Not at all. Not at all. So because Drew has to go, we're going to hop right in. So we're going to take a quick pause here, let our sponsors talk to you, and we'll be right back. Here, Ram Sucker, part of the Blue Wire Network.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: All right, so what we're going to do, Drew, is we're going to rapid-fire questions at you. I'm going to go, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll ask you first question, and then Mike will get you, I'll get you, and then we'll just keep going until we either wear you out or you have to go, all right? <laughs> Sounds like a plan, man. I love it. All right, so first things first. In your view right now, as you're entering this game, how do you view the Buffalo Bills? Are they the Super Bowl contender that everybody across you know, national media is calling them out to be, Or are they not quite what people are saying?
3: I think it's it's one of those situations where there's always like what is it? There's there's lies is the truth and there's somewhere in between. There's what will be, there's what won't be. There's, a, there's always a gray area that exists, and I think it's true with everything. And I think that the Buffalo Bills this year are kind of a byproduct of what every fan base and what every NFL fan goes through in the, uh, the offseason, where there's just nothing to talk about. There's nothing tangible to really discuss, so you start honing in on things. People look at Josh Allen. They see the football the Bills are playing down the stretch last year. They see that playoff game where we just trounced the Patriots. They see the ridiculous offensive firepower that we put up in the Kansas City game, and they go, that's who the Buffalo Bills are. What they didn't see was the Buffalo Bills that I just punish my liver through every Sunday. Like the team that, uh, I don't know, lost to the Jaguars 9-6. to six. Yeah, that team. The reality is, is that they're somewhere in the middle. And I think that the problem is is that this time of year, every single team in football, I was just telling somebody else uh, today at work, everybody everybody has, there's probably five rosters that you look at in the NFL and you say, these guys cannot compete. That's just how under-talented their rosters are. Whether it's the quarterback position, whether it's the coach, whether it's a combination, they just don't have the offensive line to protect their offense or run an NFL offense. Every other team is Schrodinger's team. You don't know if they're bad until you watch them play poorly. Same thing with the Bills here. You don't know that they're not good until you see them stop being the team that was dominant in the playoffs on offense. I think that they're going to struggle a little bit more on defense than people give them credit for. And, Michael, you played ball, so you might understand a little bit of this. You're rolling, rolling into an away football game in hostile territory in this matchup with the L.A. Rams. And you've got two rookie cornerbacks, one of whom was a sixth-round draft pick and one of whom was a first-round draft pick, who are going to be going up against Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, two tenured veteran receivers who are, uh, Allen Robinson, you can blame a lot of his production on his terrible quarterback play for most of his career, but Cooper Cup, the man's electric. He's just, it's incredible to watch these guys operate, so to know that a third-year corner, and two rookies are going to be asked to kind of man the fort against the weapons. Not just the weapons, but the play design. Because that's what makes the Rams so special, isn't it, Derek? It's not even just that, hey, we have horses on offense. It's that we run a lot of stacked formations that naturally generate separation for our wide receivers. And we've got a quarterback who's hes experienced, he's smart, he can get the ball out quickly, he can diagnose, pre-snap, a lot of different things. These cornerbacks are going to have slow eyes, and I think that it's going to be all hands in deck trying to slow it down. And depending on how many games, not just into this game that we're going to talk about on Thursday night, but how many games into the season it takes those young kids to acclimate to the speed of the NFL game, the intricacies of NFL offense, and just the skill of the opposing wide receivers. I don't know what this team can be, because our offense can't just boat race every team every single week for us, can it? That doesn't work.
4: I think you guys know that well. Mike?
1: Man, that's very, uh, very pointed response on that. My question has to do with the quarterback, Josh Allen. Uh, I'm from a small town here in California, Tascadero. When I was growing up, we had maybe 8,000, 8,500. He's from an even smaller town outside of Fresno, Fireball. Uh was overlooked, spent a year at a junior college, uh became a high round pick obviously first pick for the Bills has he been able to shape the old small town uh maybe labeled didn't play at big time college obviously he's played well over these last couple years but where is he from a person person personal standpoint uh does he still consider himself a, a small town guy that's now just playing in a bigger city or now has he adapted to being a big-time quarterback in the league and being looked at as a guy to lead the troops? It's funny
3: because it's a combination of both, and it's one of the things that we love about him here in Buffalo. See, I'm a small-town guy myself, and he has this underdog mentality that he's kind of cultivated throughout his career, but it's also some of the best have that. When you look at Tom Brady, Tom Brady's still 45 years old, finds a way to manufacture his own, like, people doubt me. People are doubting this. People are doubting that. My age is now a thing. He creates his own dragons to then go fight. And that's what helps him keep his competitive edge. Josh Allen still has a monstrous chip on his shoulder. And it's one of the things that we love about him here is that he is a small town guy. And we're a small city. We are the, like, I think we are the smallest NFL market if you look at population size. Uh, So he fits right in here because he is, again, he's looking at Buffalo going, Buffalo constantly gets overlooked, constantly uh, talked about in, you know, almost joking tones. He takes that personally because he has that already instilled within himself from his years of having to scrap it out to even get to a D1 college. He had to go the JUCO route, then got no offers, somehow found his way to Wyoming, overcame those long shot odds to be a top 10 draft pick, and then was terrible his first year as a passer. And then rebuilt his entire game to become one of the most prolific passers in football right now. He is the ultimate underdog playing quarterback right now in the NFL. And he, he doesn't lose that fire and that, comp- that competitiveness, even though he's obviously more talented now than he was when he first came in, or than he was when he was trying to get a college gig, or when he was, what, he was a baseball player in high school who was like, I guess I'll try football. And nobody thought he could do that either. He almost thrives on being doubted. And so the fact that he's he's been able to quiet some of that, I think he still you know, he still has that same fire and that that we all do. If you're kind of a rust belt there, <laughs> you're you're part of cities that have had their glory days, and now it seems like it's behind them. Like he fits right in here,
4: and I also think it makes him the best leader for this football. game. Yeah. Now I want to stick with him for a moment too, and. Now, given, like, the weapons you have on your offense right now, Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss backing him up, tight end Dawson Knox, you know, how is this offense compared to last year? Is it better, worse in your view? Is it more diverse? How does this Josh Allen offense stand right now? Can I a question again? It, I got back on I was saying, you know, stick with Josh Allen the offense here. How does this offense basically stand compared to last year? You know, we have Stephon Diggs and Devin Singletary. you got Zach Moss backing up Devin Singletary. You have Dawson Knox, a tight end. You know, how, how does this offense right now match up with last year's offense? Are you, know, are you more comfortable with it? Are they a better offense in your view? It's going to be
3: hard to tell because we've, we have yet to watch them play a game underneath uh, Ken Dorsey. Is the offensive coordinator now? Brian Dable obviously leaves the Buffalo Bills. It's the only offensive coordinator Josh Allen's ever known, and he leaves and he goes to the Giants. And I know a lot of people are hand wringing about that, but one of the things you got to remember is that Dable called multiple t- types of offense. Like in 2019, when we first got Josh Allen on the 2018, when we first got him on the field, and then in 2019, when we made the playoffs with Josh Allen a quarterback. We were very much a run-first team that was only trying to, you know, we flowed through the runs, played a lot of heavy personnel. We weren't beating anybody through the air. And then slowly as he started to graduate as a passer, you saw more 11 personnel. You saw more four wide receiver sets with tight ends motioning out wide, spreading the field, letting him find his mismatches as he grew into that role. I think the thing that they've done differently this off season, and it's interesting because you watch them. They didn't go out and replace Emmanuel Sanders from last year. They didn't make a concerted effort to say, Hey, we need another big time name receiver. So instead what we did was we flooded the field with slot receiver talent. So they go out and they say, we've got lost Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, fine. Gabe Davis is a big, strong receiver that we expect to take the next step. We're going to shift him out and let him play the Z receiver role. We're going to flood the middle of the field with speedy, talented slot options that can all make contested catches, that all have something to their... Makes them special, physically. And then what you saw them do, because one of the things that gave the Bills fits last year, you saw our offense regress a little bit, even though we were top three for scoring. Teams played a lot of too high safety looks to take away all of our deep passing options, or at least to try to limit them and force us to play underneath. And we really struggle with that sometimes. Our team wasn't built to do that last year. And so there were some games where it really got us in trouble and you watched our offense bog down. Well, they've kind of graduated to this concept that the smart people, I mean, I'm not one of them, <laughs> I'll put it in quotes, the smart people who understand the X's and O's of football far better than I do, almost like a science, started referring to it as positionless football. And what the Bills did was they said, okay, When teams back their safeties out of the box, what we need to be able to do is play a version of small ball underneath that pulls them back in. So what they do is they come back and they say, "Uh, we're going to bring in a tight end, Quinton Morris. You have Dawson Knox. Everybody knows that he's good. He's talented. Well, now we're also going to bring in a group of fullbacks that can be like H-back type guys. Guys who are not only good out their athletes, can get out and run block, but also – they're good underneath pass-catching options. We're going to spend a second-round draft pick on James Cook, who's going to come in here with 4-4 speed and legitimate receiving talent. Like He he worked out with our wide receivers a lot during the summer. When you watch him at Georgia, he was lethal out of the backfield as a passing option. So what they did was they kind of rebuilt this offense that people are used to seeing Josh Allen in his howitzer arm throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs on 20-yard deep in routes. When teams try to take that away now, we have an option. Our offense has evolved to try to force you to come back in and play inside the box. If there's any reason for hope in terms of what this new look offense looks like here in 2022, it's that they very much geared it for straight line speed and to have those short pitch and catch options that can generate yards after the catch. Because that is going to be the thing that for, like allows us to dictate to defenses when they try to take our options away. like I think that's going to be the biggest change you see in the Bills' offense from 2021 to 2022. It'll just be on Josh Allen to find those guys. His field vision's going to have to improve from last year to this year. And he's going to have to get more comfortable with trusting, trusting those guys, the James Cooks, the uh, Khalil Shakirs, the Isaiah McKenzie's, saying, hey, instead of trying to get the 10-yard pass, I'll take the 3-yarder and see if this guy can't get me 7. If he can get me seven, then it's just as effective as me throwing 10, 15 air yards. If he understands that nuance of the offense, then we have the tools to be one of the NFL's top offenses again.
1: Mike? Man, that's uh, uh, tremendous. Uh, Obviously, I had a chance to play my years against the Bills a number of different times, but especially when I was at Miami playing them twice a year, uh, obviously, you know, the Jim Kelly led offense, the Thermal Thomas, uh, well Thurman Thomas, we <laughs> call him Thurmel. called him Thermal. Uh yeah, <laughs> big time, you know, defense with Bruce Smith and Daryl Talley and and just all those guys. You know, even a special team guy named Steve Tasker would put, put some hits on you. What would you say is the key component of the Buffalo Bills that's going to if they're going to repeat and get into the playoffs, is it going to be offense, defense, uh, special teams, or is it just going to be collective uh, body of bills uh, well, between the three?
3: I mean, it's, there's, if to be a great football team, you have to do all three things well, right? You can't be a slouch in any one phase of the game because then if you are, that will inevitably catch up with you. And I think that, like, perfect example, the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals had a prolific offense down the stretch last year. You know what they found out when they made the playoffs and started playing good teams? Because there's no bad teams that make the NFL playoffs. Like, you don't just you don't just get lucky and they hand you a playoff spot. So when you're playing against a team, the, the Bengals made it, and everyone says, man, look at these receivers. They're, they're going to be putting up 30 points a game. Well, it turns out their offensive line was a tire fire. And that held them to what they won all of their games and lost all of their games, even the Super Bowl, by three points. Three points or less. And it's like, okay. this one critical piece of your team was great for a while, but it will inevitably let you down. So obviously there has to be some synergy between all three units. I think the thing is is that the Bills have perennially had, we actually talked about this in our podcast this week, in the run-up to this game, the Bills have had one of the best scoring defenses every single year since Sean McDermott got here in 2017. We're always a top-five scoring defense. The problem has been that you go up against these teams like, the Sean McVay Rams and the Doug Peterson Eagles and the Andy Reid Chiefs, and it doesn't matter how good we are against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New you know the Jets and the Dolphins. Those teams absolutely torch us because they're well coached and they have a ton of weapons. And those Sean McDermott defenses, I, they just get set on fire. So in those games, if you're going to win them, I mean Sean McDermott's track record in those games is very bad. I think it's because the offense has never been able to pull the defense out of holes. You know, the defense over the years has been able to save our offense. Our offense is finally getting to a point where it's going to be the thing that some games you're going to have to, you're going to, have to rely on it to save your defense. You know, that AFC Championship game, we give up over 600 yards of total offense to the Chiefs. That, you can't have that. You can't have that. Well, look, our quarterback almost pulled it off. All you needed was one defensive lineman to get a sack, one guy to knock a ball down, and it's a game changer for you. Everybody has to be pulling their own weights. There has to be some synergy there. This season, though, I look at the thing that's going to make it different for us, and I just look at Josh Allen. I think our offense is going to be the difference maker. There's going to be I think there should be fewer games where we're scoring six points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do. I think there there will be fewer of those performances. The reason why is Josh Allen. The thing that people you, you watch him play or you watch the highlights, you watch the condensed stuff and you're an NFL fan or you're a fan of a different team. You see the passes that he makes and his ridiculous arm, but what you don't see are the plays that he wills our team to. There was a Monday night football game. We lost to the Tennessee Titans last year. And this was the game where afterwards I said, you know, most, most players, when they get their fat check, you know, when they get paid, they get the bag, as the kids say, uh, when that happens, it's human nature to be like, okay, I should probably, now I'm making this money. I want to live to see it. Like, I want to live to spend this. I'm still going to play the game, but I'm going to take a step back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the team do some of the heavy lifting. I'm just going to, I'm doing my job, but I want to be able to walk around and ride the fancy ATVs I'm buying and drive the fancy cars I'm buying. I don't need to be in a wheelchair. The difference is that Josh Allen, that money almost gave him carte blanche to be more reckless. So you go to this Monday Night Football game against the Titans. All we needed was a first down. Would have given us first and ten inside the eight-yard line, I think it was. He takes off running, and he could have easily pulled up, run out of bounds, left it fourth and one. Instead, he puts his head down and tries to do a cartwheel over a defender. He gets smashed by these linebackers and defensive backs ends up a half a yard short short and he ends up slipping and falling on the fourth down conversion attempt and the game ends and everyone laments the fact that we didn't kick the field goal and go to overtime but the thing is he was he's crazy he's a lunatic his competitive drive is such that he's like i don't care if i am putting myself in harm's way not just like hey this is a bad football play i'm gonna get killed out here doesn't care and he still has that So then the guys around him on offense want to go to war for this guy, and that's the the defense sees this, and they want to go to war for that guy. He's going to be the thing that propels this team almost singularly because they all want to try to rise to – Michael, you know this from years of playing football. When there's a guy who you see busting his ass like that, you feel like you want to give a little bit extra. Because you see somebody else doing it, he's going to be the reason that we succeed or fail this season. He's driving the bus to the Josh Allen show here in Buffalo.
4: One of the things that's really concerned me about Josh Allen—it's not really him personally, but you know the guy being as tall as he is, as big as he is—he runs the ball an awful lot with those long legs. You know, hits. High, you know, I saw we saw Carson Wentz turn ACL on the goal line during his what first year run in the Eagles, and so. I look at Josh Allen and just think, okay, knock on wood. When's it his turn? Because the way he runs, has that been a concern for you guys at all? A concern, dude. We burn sage. There's like, <laughs> there's prayer. There's prayer circles.
3: There's you. You spend most of the games watching Josh Allen play football, just holding your breath because you're like, oh man, something awesome could happen, or this could be awful. This could. I. I, I might. <laughs> Every every time he drops back to pass and then he starts getting scrambly. You go, he's either buying time with his legs and he's going to fling this thing downfield and someone's going to get open and make a gigantic play for us. Or he's going to take off running and try to bench press their linebacker. And God help us if he
4: gets hurt. Like that. It's because yeah, I know who your backup awesome. is now. Oh, God. Yeah. We he's know who him. he is. Like, we know Jesus. him very
3: well. <laughs> yeah. It's. uh. It's it's I mean they, they I give them credit for going out and getting a backup who can throw the ball a little bit. I mean they didn't trust Matt Barkley to do it at all. Whenever he had come in as a backup, we just ran the ball every time and then punted. So ultimately, I just it was it's wild, man. It's he's a, he is a singular experience. It's a whole experience just watching Josh Allen play football, the highs, the lows, and everything in between.
1: Well, I love the fact that uh he has that mentality, as you spoke about earlier, that is going to will something to happen. That definitely comes with chip on your shoulder, small town guy. The difference we learn is once you get up there with the big boys, real backers, real people that hit you a lot harder, you can get away with that in high school, maybe at the JC level, and maybe even at the D1 against certain teams. But the consistency over 16, now 17-game season with the big dogs hunting you is a little bit different. My question is this, a uh, little bit side note with Von Miller being with the Rams last season. Uh, I'm assuming it's a great pickup for you guys. It looks like he started hitting his stride for us towards the end of the year. Uh, what, what's the feeling with him out there now and, and as far as heading into the season? Well, with with Von Miller, this is the thing that I, uh,
3: we talked about it here all summer. It was a talking point in Buffalo. There's a youth movement going on in the defensive line. They've soaked, uh, what is it, first and second round draft picks and back-to-back drafts at the defensive end position. Then they went into this offseason and everyone said, okay, what are they going to do? They're good, probably going to continue this trend of getting younger and less expensive. And instead, Brandon Bean decides that he's, I don't know, he woke up one morning and was like, you know what I need? It was probably that Chiefs game where he watched us whiff on nine sack attempts and just said, okay, I need a guy who I know can put a quarterback in the dirt when I need it and decided that it was worth whatever Von Miller wanted to play here. So they bring in Von Miller, and the thing is, he's a guy at the end of his career. But when you look statistically at him, he still finished in the top three for pressures in the NFL last season. His he still gets sacks. His pass rush win rate is fantastic. He was in the top five for uh, def, uh for edge player run stops alongside our rookie or uh, rookie draft pick last year, Greg Rousseau. So we know he's going to be solid for us all around. But the biggest thing is. Down the stretch, when you get to the playoffs and you run into the Chiefs again, and you say, I don't want to be a day late and a dollar short when it comes to getting real pressure, because this was the thing that killed us last year. We had a guy named Jerry Hughes on the football team for the last 10, 12, 13 years. Every year, he would put up gaudy statistics as far as pass rush, win rate, pressures generated, no sacks. Sorry, sometimes you can't always be the like, he's like a bridesmaid. A defensive end it's like he's so close but never the bride he's so close to making the big play never gets the tick on the stat sheet ultimately you can't have that we needed closers von miller's our closer von miller's a guy we're looking at not to come in here and take 80 percent of the snaps he's going to be a rotational guy he's going to play about 50 60 of our snaps I wouldn't be shocked if early in the game you don't see as much Von Miller because they want to keep him fresh for situational pass rush and for later in games when we might need a big player or two to close a game out. So I'm interested to see how they deploy him in this one, considering the familiarity with the with your team, uh, probably some understanding that these young defensive backs of ours are going to need pass rush help. It's going to have to be there because you can't leave them on an island with talented wide receivers like you guys have. It's it, his impact can't be understated, but it's going to be really interesting to see if they don't intentionally kind of throttle him back,
4: almost maybe to our team's detriment sometimes. All right, I know you got to go. So I'm mean, going to just outright ask you Rams, Bill, Sergeant Knight, how's this matchup work for you and who's your call?
3: Oh, this, is, this is the nightmare game. I, like, I have a pit in my stomach thinking about it. Like and this is this is why I'd like to be drinking. I'd like to start now and just carry a buzz straight into Thursday night. This game, I was joking with some people about it today after Odell Beckham's tweet about how he was supporting both franchises, and I was like, "This is it. This is the battle for this is the battle for Beckham. That's what we're going to call it: the battle for Beckham Junior." Because the winner, you, you know, it's a funny storyline just this back and forth between who, where will he sign? What does he want to do? Realistically, I look at this game and I just say to myself. The depth of the Rams is a problem. It's a byproduct of the Rams' approach the last three, four seasons of chasing that ring. And good for you guys. You got one. But when I look at your defensive depth back chart and I see that you've got cornerbacks who are rookies, who are playing primary backup roles, and I'm a team that has, what, our third string wide receiver from the slot is Jameson Crowder, who's a seven-year pro who really has a knack for finding good, getting separation and finding dead space and zones? If we can spread your team out and get into that depth, you know these these backup cornerbacks, these backup safeties, make you guys rotate defensive linemen. Something you try not to do a whole lot. Drag these defensive linemen into the deep water where your backups are primarily undrafted free agent rookies and late round draft picks. Expose the depth of the Rams right now. The Bills have as good a shot at winning this game as any game of the season. But if not, your coaching staff, again, good offensive minds have a habit of getting Sean McDermott's number because they just boat race us and eventually we make a mistake or we make too many mistakes and they come back to haunt us. With a new offensive coordinator in the fold, I want to say the Bills win, but I think it's going to be – like right now we're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, which I think is crazy. I think this comes down to whoever gets the ball last. I think. Because, whatever, I'm a homer, I'm going to say it. I think the Bills win by a field goal. I'm going to say both. I can't put a number on the point total, but I'll say that both teams definitely score more than 21.
4: All right. Well, Drew, can you let people know where they can find your work? We know you are on the Blue Wire Network. We know that you have a, a fun show, even when you're sober. So, with all that said, <laughs> well, let people you. know where can find your work.
3: Uh, you can find us. Well, we're on Twitter at rock pile report. Our rock pile report podcast comes out on Wednesday nights. We do not only our game recaps, but we also have game previews. And then we have a really interesting piece. If you're a fan of divisional football, if you're an AFC fan out there, we do an AFC East roundup show where we host podcasters from each one of the th- three teams that make up our division. And we just talk about what happened to each team that week. we break down. We talk about stats highs and lows we make each we make each person pick a winner or loser from their own team and then we talk about obviously our winners and losers and we drink a case of beer in the process so it's it's unapologetic uh, just (laughs) it's unapologetic podcasting it's uh sometimes inflammatory podcasting but it's listen if you're not out here to have a good time what are you doing come on now
4: we always have a good time right Always have yep. loved it. He loved it. Always All appreciate right. you guys
3: having me on, gentlemen.
4: I right, take it easy. Have a great one. All right. So that is Drew Gear from the Rock Power Port. Always funny. I can't believe the got to stop talking in forty minutes though, because he talks like he can go. Like that guy is an energizer from bunny man. He can go forever in yes, a day. And yes, he is. So, yes, he is. So to get him to get him done in forty minutes, that's that's an accomplishment. Mike, let me ask you how you're feeling. By the way, Roger Saffold on the team as well. Um, That's right. Case Kim is there. And Aaron Cromer is their offensive line coach. So lots of familiarity. When we did our preview the other day. Our schedule preview, I call our Bills win. I'm going to be a man and stand by it. Although I will say that Drew didn't seem all that confident, did he?
1: Uh, not really.
4: No. No. And that's a little encouraging for me. The other thing that's a little encouraging, too, is, you know, we forget you know, how often does the defending Super Bowl champion lose on opening night when they do the whole ring ceremony. They're pretty pumped up, usually. So if they do lose, it would be a rare thing. I just don't like the matchup. But his doubts give me a little bit of uh, comfort, you know. You called a Rams win here when we did our little schedule predictions. Like we couldn't really take a whole lot of time before to to break down why you believe that. So I'm going to ask you now, why did the Rams win this game?
1: well it, it it's some of the things that Drew alluded to, uh offensive mind offense with McVeigh and Company. Uh, you got some guys uh season uh receivers. You have a quarterback now who showed as a veteran what he could do coming in year one. You would hope that he's even better year two. Now that he's been here, you're used to the L.A. drive and the traffic and the things like that. So I think all those play into our hand along with it being a home game. Uh, As we did talk about a little bit on Thursday, it being such a short week, I would somewhat agree with Drew that if it's an opportunity for the Bills to maybe sneak one, it would be because of that. And as he noted, and we noted too, we're a little concerned with the overall depth across the board, uh, you know, barring injuries and things like that, and or how much guys have really been seasoned. So the reason why I'd ultimately say uh, we win the game is because it's at home We have a lot of cohesiveness, returning guys uh, that we have. And I think uh, Bobby Wagner is going to make a huge difference on the defensive side.
4: I think he will too. I think when we're looking at the game, I'm I'm thinking like a 2017, 17, 14 game. I don't think it's going to be the high scoring. I I do think that the Rams will do a lot to confuse those cornerbacks. I think they'll. Do do a lot to put them in positions where they're going to. They're, I mean, what do the Rams do? They run routes. They run routes. They run routes among the best in the league. I mean, we they don't have they, they don't have any pure like deep receivers. They might, they make up for it the Jerry Rice way, route running. Uh, so I think that that's going to be a big factor when you're going against these corners. I I kind of don't think and the Rams. We usually say run the football, run the football, run the football. I think the short passing game may wind up being the running game tomorrow, which is what we get mad at him doing normally. We do. We, we mean, Sorry, on Thursday. We normally get mad at him for doing this, but that seems like it might be a smart strategy It's a team with these young corners who, I mean, let's be honest, they're going to try and really mess them up.
1: Well, think about it, Derek, as you, you're noting that, Short passing game is going to be a higher percentage throw than some of the deep ends and posts and corner routes that, you know, obviously coach McVay and the team likes to stretch the field. So if you're throwing underneath just quick darts, that's going to take some pressure off of Matthew Stafford's again. He had that elbow thing going in early in camp. They had him on a pitch count, uh, you definitely don't want to come out game one throwing 40, 50 times, and now you have something that can flare up and now it's lingering. But if you just psh, dumping it, getting it to the receivers, letting them do like we know that the Niners used to do many times, still do now with Debo Samuel, is that run after the catch. And so that would be an outstanding uh, strategy along with hopefully being able to get the run game going I think you alluded to it a number of times. Uh, Sometimes it's like, you just like to come off the ball and and go get some guys and just let's run on these guys a little bit, put them on their heels, and we can just fire off and get after some people. So uh, I look for it to be, as you alluded to, uh, I think I called it 21-17 ramp, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. If it is, I'd be surprised game one.
4: I would, I would too. And I think what we'll see a lot tomorrow is, you know, a lot of quick short passes. You know, when you have Von Miller coming at you, and may have other guys who can rush the passer too. You know, and Von Miller will make them better. I think with a young offensive line, you're trying to get them established. What's the best way to do that? You run the football. So I, I expect a lot of short passing. I expect a lot of, of really running the football. I expect them to take some shots here and there on those young corners. Um, but I don't expect like them going wide, five wide right away. I, I mean, if they do, heaven <sighs> <it> help us. <laughs> but I mean, I I would say, you know, they they may come. I mean, kind of think they may go the exact opposite. They try and get that offensive line relaxed and get them, give them a little breathing room. They may try and hit a couple deep shots early to get you know. To get it on the board quickly and and give them a lead to play with, but I mean, long term the game I'm expecting a lot of short passing, a lot of power running, a lot of trying to establish this offensive line, and I mean, that's oftentimes what that opening game is too. By the way, I mean, just getting guys established and getting. I mean, that opening game, that Thursday game, they're rarely high scoring. They're rarely. They're usually physical. They're usually a little sloppy. I mean. Who's less sloppy on Thursday night? Who's, I think the Rams will have an edge coming in there, celebrating their suit roll in, you know, but, uh, you know, the bills are good. The bills are really good. So there we go. It is time for us to go. Mike, any closing thoughts? I'll give you, you know, take the last comment here and, and roll with it.
1: Well, my only thought is a question to you. Oh, okay. John Miller, having been on the team, Do you think the note booms of the world can hold up against him? And what do you think about uh, Andrew's thought of Von Miller being more a possession guy, you know, spot play guy?
4: Uh, Von Miller's Von Miller. That's how I view it. And he's, you know, he's going to get his. So I, I expect the Rams to run, to move away from him, to run stuff um, get to get him tired. I expect them to, to run away from, force him into pursuit. I expect them to to a lot of quick, short passes, and frustrate him early, because he can mess them up, and we all know they can. And the Rams of all people know he can. So I'd be very surprised if they if they play into his game and go right at him. You I mean, typically you want to try and go at somebody, but I want you know if I'm them early in the year, they have he hasn't played much in preseason or anything. I I would want him running. I'd want him in pursuit. I'd want to wear that guy down and I want to frustrate him. So, you know, that's what I expect them to I expect them to do that. I expect them to move away from him and, and get him in a position where he becomes a non factor.
1: Well oh, man, I agree, man. And uh I wouldn't want to see us taking a five, six, seven step drop trying to hit one of those deep in. and he does that dip under move and Next thing you know, Matthew Stafford is like, where am I? Uh, but I, I'm looking at it, man. Where's what? Maybe 48 hours away from a uh, kickoff, man. I'm getting hyped right now. It's, it's going to be a good one, it looks like.
4: I mean, I would expect them to roll him out. roll st- If they want to go deep and, and try and get a little you – know, get a. You know, I expect them to roll out away from him. That's what I expect them to do. But, you know, you, man, you never know with Sean McVay. <laughs> you just – Never know. I mean, if we're talking about expecting this, and then sometimes he goes to the exact opposite, and he wants it being successful. So we're going to find out. I can't wait. I'm still calling it a Bills win. Um, I don't like the matchup. It should be close. I hope I'm wrong. For all you've got you to know, see Paul, or Debbie. Debbie down not No, I just think it's, it's a good game. It's a good matchup. It's two certain bowl contenders. I mean, I think we well, had yeah, like four four of the NFL.com's experts already have predicted a Bills-Rams Super bowl. I mean... This is going this is already possibly Super Bowl preview. Yeah. We'll find out. So that said, time for us to go. Follow Mike on Twitter at 1223. Follow me at DC Paul. Find the follow the Rams talk handle at Talk Rams. Don't forget we're on Facebook as well. And we'll talk to you. Buddy Head should be here. Host game on Thursday night. In the meantime, we're out of here. Have a great one. Let's do it.